yeah, we call a lift ride man and older gentleman pulls up and uh, like, all right, sweet. Hop in the car and you immediately get hit with the smell of a Walgreens meets a hospital ER room. <laughs> you, you look at the dude that's driving and you're like, you almost, I, I found myself almost wondering like if all he had on was like the hospital robe. <laughs> <laughs> Slowdown podcast. Good to be here with you all. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us. Russ, do you ever get a little bit surprised that people would actually take time out of their day to listen to us flap our gums and yammer on about who knows what? Uh no. No, I'm in fact if anything, I find it makes myself total sense to you. Yeah, I'm like they they probably want at least two, three hour long podcasts, if anything. They're calling for you. They're calling for more. They're like calling half hour is not enough. Yeah, that's that's my thought, man. Just people are probably like, dude, that's it. Thirty minutes. I mean, I could do at least another hour or two of conversation from these homies. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, that's generally how I think about it. I was just trying to be humble, you know. Yeah, no, I get it, man. That's humility is a real strength of yours. But uh, false humility is not a strength of mine. No, no. But to be serious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am excited about what we do, man. I mean, I'm excited about the conversations we have. And and uh, I love, you know, when we get feedback and find that it's helpful. But I do find myself probably about once about once a week. Like it's pretty honoring. And I guess probably the one way to put it. Yeah, it's encouraging. But whenever someone says, hey, man, I was listening to your podcast. I was like, didn't you have something else better to do like today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We were uh, we were just together, you and I, a couple weekends ago. Yeah, man. And um, but the one story that I do want to tell coming out of that weekend was a lift ride that's going to go down in Table Network infamy history. Yeah, Table man. Network lore, if you will. Which Table Network lore is it, it's it's an exhaustive catalog. There is lots of stories, lots of experiences, lots of things that we can can bring up. Um, and this lift ride definitely made its way into into that that catalog. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was definitely a ride to say the least. So to set up the context of this lift ride, we just got done eating at uh, Bruno's of Brooklyn. And if you ever get a chance to go to Fort Myers, uh, you need to make your way over to Bruno's of Brooklyn. It's f- it's phenomenal, phenomenal Italian food. And um, Russ, you could speak more to that, but we just got done eating big, big plates of food, and yeah. we needed to get a lift ride back to your house. We were full, man, to say the least. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we call a lift ride man, and older gentleman pulls up, and... Uh, like, all right, sweet. Hop in the car and you immediately get hit with the smell of a Walgreens meets a hospital ER room. 
you you look at the dude that's driving and you're like you almost i, I found myself almost wondering like if all he had on was like the hospital robe with <laughs> 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 some booties man that he picked up you know for yeah. walking around making his way to the bathroom at the er yeah and, uh, boxers yeah, robe <laughs> wife beater he's just kind of like Eh, I'll just go out and make a couple extra bucks here tonight. Like this dude straight up looks like he, like somebody pulled up in the ER, like drive through, right? Like emergency waiting room entrance, you know, got out of the car, helped their buddy out, man, who just broke his leg, right? They're walking up, they're putting him on a stretcher, they're wheeling him in. He's following behind his friend. And this dude is like that guy that was sitting outside smoking a cigarette. <laughs> he was like, well, Hell, there's a car right there. <laughs> he jumped in, <laughs> saw that Lyft sticker, <laughs> took that dude's phone, looked up what Lyft was, <laughs> and then came and picked this up. That's pretty much what it was. <laughs> I, there might be a couple of small embellishes in that, but that's pretty much like 98% exactly what was going on. Yeah. So we get in. And, you know, you got your two guys in the back, one guy, I'm, I'm in the front right next to this guy. Um, <laughs> I and I usually take you. the front cause I'm, I'm bigger. And you know, you guys usually kind of defer. You're like, all right, big dude takes the front. I'm sitting next to this guy. And within, within 15 seconds, this guy starts an unceasing barrage of phlegm filled <laughs> coughing. Bro. Not just like a uh, little water went down the wrong pipe. No, man. Because uh, uh, I think this... he did have a Mountain Dew sitting in his uh, council. He was, there. he was sipping on that Mountain Dew, man, in between them cough breaks. He was doing the Dew. Yeah. He was definitely doing the Dew. And it wasn't like it. it um... It's kind of helping him keep the lung down. Yeah. This was the most nastiest, phlegm-filled, nonstop coughing. I yeah. immediately rolled my window down and stuck my whole face pretty much outside of <laughs> the, car. the car just You're so like I can <laughs> breathe in fresh air. Yeah, dude. So this thing's going on. We got redheaded Chewbacca with his head out the window going down the road. Anything I could do to just avoid this. I'm waiting for it to stop. Honestly, I think it's just going to, I'm thinking it's just going to go on for a little bit and cool. Roll the window up. No big deal. You had a little episode. No yep. worries. I mean, this dude did not stop coughing. No the embellishing there. Downtown Fort Myers back to Russ's house. And how long is that drive, Russ? What? Eight, 10 minutes? Yeah. I mean, it's late at night. Everybody's out hanging out. You know, you got a bunch of stoplights. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely was a, a solid. And he also went the wrong way, which was pretty <laughs> funny. He pulls up to the light. I'm like, yeah, man, just head straight. You know, we'll be there in like five minutes. We'll be home. Because I'm only five minutes literally from like downtown. And instead, he's like, just turns left. <laughs> going the opposite direction. Just going the so way. So we're hitting all to. these lights. Yeah. And then when he takes this like crazy maze you know what i mean through an old neighborhood to get to you know to my house so yeah man it, a five minute ride turned into a 15 minute ride of non-stop darth vader hacking so i immediately hop on marco polo and hit record i pull up my buddy james our friend james firefighter <laughs> used to be chicago he's moving to, to denver i pull yeah. up I, I pull up marco polo hit record i have to have evidence of this after about five minutes we start laughing 
right? And I know exactly what Russ is thinking. Russ knows what I'm thinking. Yeah, dude. And I think I think Russ, you said it. It was either you or I, but like after just like sitting here in silence and the awkwardness of this guy's cough one of us goes this is going on the podcast <laughs> and then we all just started really <laughs> just cracking up yeah that was my only commentary man on the way home that and just i did ask him a few times like hey man you all right bro you know i, I kind of i felt bad for him i mean yeah we're laughing um at the awkwardness of it and like he would take a breath hit that do you know <laughs> and uh the only thing he shared with us was uh that that he did take some mucinex <laughs> for for his allergies for his allergies he goes, man these allergies i just yeah. took some mucinex yeah i'm like bro so i could not wait to get out i of don't that, know if that's that allergies car. man and i'm not sure mucinex is gonna work yeah i could not wait to get out of that car but after yeah. contracting whatever he had at least we had a good laugh yeah dude so yeah it was it was pretty great so we'd love to hear from you what is like the worst experience? Uber, Lyft. I don't even know some of the other companies. Taxi. Yeah. Or what, what were some of your just bad, bad experiences? That was certainly mine. So another thing I got, and I know we got to get into what we're going to be talking about today, but um, I watched the State of the Union address the other day and I pulled a nice little, I pulled a nice little soundbite uh, from that. And uh, if you watched it, it was, um, it was entertaining uh informational and i i certainly enjoyed watching it uh for a variety of reasons <laughs> and um but he had this one little sound bite and i said oh shoot i was watching it with my kids you know we're like pause it go back and i i, I went and i paused it and i got it at the right moment and i took this little sound bite and i've been using this non-stop and i'm hoping that we can make this way onto the onto the podcast in a variety of ways but he, here's the bit i got thank you tony <laughs> So yeah, I've been using that. Fantastic, man. That's what people at they're at home they're thinking when I said I gave that wonderful description of the kind of cough that this guy had. It was a a phlegm filled barrage of nonstop coughing, and everyone collectively said, "Thank you, Tony." <laughs> Thank you, Tony. Ridiculous. I've been getting a kick out of that. You think? So what are we getting into today? We're on the we're on the front edge of um, a bigger conversation that we want to to have some people that we want to talk to. Yeah, man, I think we got a cool conversation in front of us here. It's really um, a conversation about something that we have discussed in the past a few years ago. Really felt the need, man, to just sort of bring this conversation back to the forefront in light of meeting a variety of people, right? More and more people, uh, more and more places. And finding the same conversations, right, continue to surface mm -hmm. no matter where, no matter where we go, right. Which is kind of neat in the sense, you know, there's some commonality that's out there, and it's a conversation that we we sort of, uh, I think, when we first got this conversation started, we called it "What about Bob?" and it was a story about Bob, right, and the tensions that he felt within just what's become church, and this heart for his friends, and what to do. And so this conversation sort of has morphed into, well, what about Bob? And hey, what about Becky? Right? We got these two people. And they're fictional characters and they represent pretty much the kind of people that are coming to Table Network and interested in what we're, we're saying. Yeah, they, they definitely represent those people, right? The, for the purpose of our story here, they're, they're two different people from different backgrounds who live in different places, but they do share a common story. And that common story is they both have a love for their friends that are in and around them and seeing those friends really just 
walk in the hope and the rest and the love, right, that we find in Christ. But these friends have no interest in what has become church. Right. So the story goes, Bob, right? This this is a dude that grew up in church, man, his whole life. His parents went, right? He went with him as a kid. He's a part of the kids ministry. You know, he plugged into the youth ministry a little bit. He wasn't like gung-ho, don't get me wrong. He wasn't, you know, leading Bible studies, but he was, you know, he was an well, active If he was part. like me, he got suspended from youth group, so. Correct. Well, now that I'm thinking about it, we probably have a lot of people that got suspended from youth group. Table yeah, you're, uh, you're not allowed to come for four weeks. You're, you're <laughs> yeah. grounded from youth group. You're grounded. And Mr. and Mrs. Sorcy, we really wish that you would take care of this issue with with uh with tony i remember when i got suspended from youth group i was so brokenhearted about that i wasn't exactly uh loving jesus back then so you weren't you weren't hearing a lot of those uh thank you tony (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah that's that's bob's story and becky's story would be different in regards to her background she's somebody who didn't grow up connected to the church in any way she actually became a believer in jesus through a college ministry got plugged in right got connected met some new friends and really just started learning more and more about just Jesus and just walking in the ways of Jesus. And she really stepped into that, started loving on the people around her and she's sharing her faith and, and she's seeing people just come alive, man, like in this hope that's found in Christ. And it was like a really, really life-giving experience. Mm-hmm. Bob, right? Like Becky went to college. I mean, these are two people that took on debt, right? They juggled their way through school and you know what I mean? They hung out, they had some fun, they did their thing. Both of them got connected, right, to their future spouses while they were there. And right, they they landed jobs and careers and moved to the cities they wanted to and started families. And so everybody, you know, who's listening in, you sort of can have a picture of them in your minds. There's Bob, there's Becky, two different backgrounds, two different journeys to faith, two different types of experiences, right? Bob with this experience, like in just conventional church, that's what he plugged into. Becky with this experience in, you know, this very uh, sort of missional, right? Relational-based college ministry. But here they are as adults, right? Now they're 30 years old. They got some families and, you know, living in two different cities. And they both did what they were taught to do, which is find a growing church and plug in. So they attend, right? Every week they volunteer, they give. I mean, they're even part of small group ministries. And both of them have been running in this for about five years each. Yeah, and I think they do so gladly and willingly. This is, you know, what was told yeah. them. Like, man, this is what, you know, a fully devoted follower of Jesus does. Um, I think with sincere hearts, like all the things that pastors are inviting people into from the stage, they just gladly did. They sign up and do. Yeah, and they're not, just to be clear, you know, they're not bitter, Right. They're not like angry with it. I mean, this is what they were taught to do. Um, and this is what, what like you just said, man, like this is what they do and they do it willingly. In fact, um, you know, Bob leads in the kids ministry, you know, his church with his wife and Becky even leads, you know, just in addition to like just being a part of the church, she even leads like a college ministry group, you know, for the girls. So these are people that are, you know what I mean? They're, they're highly involved where they have a real commonality, not just in some of this like involvement, but they both have a commonality also is just, man, no matter what their church does, right? No matter how much they get involved to make their church a better place and, you know, and offering different things for their friends to come to. And no matter how many times they invite the friends that are around them, whether it's in the tribe they run in or at work or in their neighborhood, and these friends just, they don't have any interest in going to these church environments. They're not interested. And so both of them are looking at that and just both of them have this like growing desire to see these people really just experience the freedom and family found in Jesus. 
They're just stuck in regards to like, what do we do? Because none of my friends are interested in the church forums that we work and put on week after week. So they decide like, hey, maybe we should do something different. Like, What would it look like is a question that Bob and Becky have. What would it look like to create some form, some expression of the church in the world that their friends could connect with? But those questions, those desires, those thoughts are met with some real dilemmas. Yep. No, man, I think you're absolutely right. And just to go back, I think, um, yeah, I think Bob and Becky are just really sincere. They love Jesus. They love the scriptures. They love uh, the church. I think they experience family uh, there. They get a lot of joy out of being a part of the rhythms there, but they are experiencing, you know, that, that tension. And I think they're sincerely wanting to really truly reach their friends, Becky in particular, because she um, Bob was more of a, like, you know, I know this to be true, but it became real when I was later or, uh, older. Right. And that's, you know, that was my story. It wasn't so much I needed to hear, right. The gospel. I just like, I love this world and myself, you know, Jesus was not a treasure hidden in a field. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. But Becky, I think experienced, you know, conversion. I think she experienced God's grace and then began to really like dive into the scriptures and really pass that on to her friends and gotten a, like a bunch of good conversations and even saw some of her friends come to faith too. And now church just kind of seems like that conversation with neighbors and those who are outside and uninterested, there's a, like, there's a bigger gap and a chasm there. Mm. And the church is the church is doing well to say, Hey, this is part of our mission. But usually what happens is it's just like a sermon every once in a while, like every once in a while, it'll get like hit on. And the church seems to just constantly just it like more just exists for itself. So while they're saying, yeah, this is, we should be doing this. We should be engaging our neighbors and doing this thing called mission and discipleship and all that. And Bob and Becky want to do that. There's not a lot of helps. There's not a lot of helps practically for them. And there's some implicit things, right. That are barriers for them, even without saying it specifically, there's just some things that Bob and Becky would pick up on. You know, they're saying like, I, I don't know how do I how do I do this? And then there's just the absence of really truly helping this phenomena of reaching out to those outside and uninterested in the church, besides just, you know, a talk here and there every six months or something. It's it's almost like like that like the church has this constant call towards right mission and purpose and get out there and these are the things that Jesus right called us to and we're seeing that i feel like we i've seen more of that conversation coming from like the broader church in the us over the last 10 years you know than any time prior to that which is cool i mean it's like people are returning back to these things that Jesus called us into the downside is they're not always very helpful right so it's like kind of calling them to it but then not always like really empowering them for it other than yeah it stops at the conversation yeah or other than like hey here's how you can do like these missional communities or some like micro church thing but even within those it still it still results in here's a church environment to invite people to yeah it's just a smaller version of Right. Yeah. Which their friends have already made it clear, not, not interested in that. They don't want to come to that either. Uh, so just looking at that, I think there's, there's sort of this um, lack of help, you know, you could say for Bob and Becky in regards to a church that sincerely sees the need and longs, you know what I mean? For them to walk in that, but just doesn't know what to do right. In regards to helping them. But from what we have heard, man, just coast to coast, it's not just that 
there, there's also the factor of just the church, right? Implicitly telling them, right? Or not even, not implicitly. What would that be? Explicitly? Explicitly. Yeah. Explicitly telling them, uh, no, you can't go do something different. And so they, right? They, they really do get hit with some roadblocks. Like one that we constantly hear is always this, uh, look, look, I, I know the church, right? Like my definition is who we are, like, right? We're a people, we're not a place. Amen. I get all that. But, you know, if you want to do something different, you're, you know, you're just, you're just not allowed, right? Like there's a structure, man, that, that goes on here in regards to like what church is. And these are the things that we do that we've ordained and right and oversee. And your friends have to come and be a part of this if they're going to be a part of, right? Like the church, which sort of yeah. just goes back to that question of, does it matter how creative we get with these forms if most people outside have no interest in coming? Yeah, you got to have all these elements and all of these elements together equal a Jesus approved version yep. of church. And if you don't have them, if you don't hit the marks, it doesn't count. Yeah. It's almost like a, like, um, as we like meet with the Bob and Becky's, you know what I mean? Of the world. It's, it's almost like they're told that if they did something different, you know, whether it was in their home or at a pub or a coffee shop or, you know what I mean? However they go about being the church. If it's not, if it doesn't fit within this mold, it will have no credibility. Yep. And I think that's a sincere question that they have too. Right. I think that they're, I think the Bobs and Beckys are, they, they're really wrestling with that as well. But as they hear what the broader church community is saying is within and without the outside the bounds yeah. of a legitimate expression, I think that there's something in their core that's kind of like, ah, I think we have more freedom than that. But I think that they are definitely like, yeah, this is a question too. It's a roadblock for me. I can't, I can't yeah. get over it. And then just to be clear here, like the thing that I think we also hear isn't just in regards to like permission, you know, it's even in regards to just the practicality of it. Like we'll constantly hear that Bob and Becky are told by people around them that if you don't have a building, volunteers, right? If you don't have a band, right? If you don't have all, you know, you know, sermons, you know what I'm saying? Ready to, you know, fire away. If you don't have like these systems in place, programs, and even the money to pull it all off, right? Specific life stage programs. Yeah, like it, then it doesn't, it doesn't count, you know? And so you find where Bob and Becky are going, um, well, we both have careers that we're pretty happy with, right? So we don't want to leave those to go form some new idea of church. So I guess like the, the, this isn't an option, you know, let's just stay plugged in and just keep working at making it great. And hopefully our friends will come. So it's a definite roadblock, not the only one, but it's, yeah. but it's one for sure. I think one of the other the biggest roadblocks too, not only in terms of just all the check boxes for what counts for church and what doesn't count for church, but also too, like they think that they're inadequate yeah. to lead, even though they, they practice hospitality, even though they love people, even though they can, they can talk about good news and explain that and they get all that, they do it within the church with a, a variety of people because they're not licensed, because they don't have degrees, because they can't wax eloquently as good as their pastor. Yep. And they can't craft these, you know, talks and sermons and they know all these like theological terms and all that. They think to themselves, man, I just, man, how, how can I carry good news into my neighborhood and into my city? I, I can't talk about it like that. It's almost like the roadblock they're handed is in this like, inability to do right. Like what other people are famous for doing from a stage and their ability to write to like lead and speak. But it's almost like it's tied to this idea of growth, right? Like this idea of, uh, 
you know, transformation. In other words, it's uh, to, to, to really help, you know, a Becky or a Bob feel the weight of what they're longing to do. They're told like, Hey, Becky, uh, you know, if your daughter is not a part of like this kid's ministry, right through this thing, like every single week, I mean, she's just, she's going to miss out on all this growth opportunity that can only happen. You know what I mean? Like within these structured programs. Right. Right. Or, or, or Bob's told like, Hey man, your, your wife, man, like she's just not going to really grow. Right. If she doesn't have, you know, this like weekly diet, you know what I mean? Of specific sermons and right. Other programs that come alongside of that in regards to like teaching. Yeah. Especially the, the, um, the kids thing. I think that that's one of the, the biggest ones. Yeah. Yeah. I think the kids, or there's always that question that we're always here, like, is, uh, like, well, you know, who's going to feed us. Right. Yeah. You know yep. what I mean? Who's going to, who's going to feed my wife. I mean, like we, we got to have this, I have outputs and I need inputs. I need to get yeah, fed. every week, man. And if I don't have this, right. Then there's like this growth is going to begin to break down in my life, in my family's life in my friend's life. And so they're kind of shown this picture and then they go like, Oh crap, man. Okay. Well, you know, we don't have the building, you know what I mean? And, and we don't have the ability to, you know, create these, you know, programs like, you know, that are tied to this type of growth. And then just to throw one more out there, one that I know we always hear is in regards to like, just like education and ordination. You can almost like tie them together. That's another one that I think always comes up. Like there's this idea of, of if you're going to be a leader of something, then you've got to have a certain form of right education from an accredited Bible college or seminary, right? Preferably. And there's an ordination, you know what I mean? Sort of status that gets tied to that education. And the people that have both of these things, well, they're the ones that really qualify to lead, you know, in some form of an expression of the church. And, yeah. you know, hey, Bob, Becky, you guys, I mean, I know that you're both well educated, um, right? I mean, Becky even has her MBA, right? That helps her in her career and business. But it, hey, it's not, it's not from a seminary, you know? You're not speaking Hebrew right. and Greek. So I, I just don't think you really qualify, you know what I mean, to lead in this. And so she pulls back. She's like, okay, I guess I'll just like lead a Bible study then. Yeah. And I think another, another one, and I don't need to keep adding to this, but I think if Bob and Becky are like me, I think their church would celebrate various creative expressions outside of like your normal Sundays and programs. Like they would get excited, they would get excited about that. But at the end of the road, they would still want these new people that you're connecting with. They would want them to come get assimilated and come under the authority and the leadership of the church. Yeah. And you're thinking in your head, right, I'm going to go and start setting tables and meeting people and connecting with them in everyday spaces where they're comfortable. And then once they get to a place where they're like, you know what, I need Jesus and I need his grace. In fact, I love him for it, right? What would be like considered a conversion or a salvation experience. They're then met with the immediate pressure to come assimilate them into this community that they've never been a part of that they've and submit to these leaders that they've never met yeah. before. And th that, that is, I think an internal, like they're going down the road a little bit and it's just like they're not gonna want to do that oh dude when you start to factor in like just all the things in society right between just what like where the family and the structure of the family like where that's gone education right enter like truth's relative you can't really know anything you know what i mean and then you factor in like all the stuff with like fake news and you know what i mean like like we live in a society right now where people are looking around going i don't feel like i can trust or know 
anything. Yeah. And so like the, the one thing that they will trust though, is like someone that they actually know someone who's become right. Like a trusted friend. And so that's sort of like a society that we're living in right now. And so it's really odd, man. When, when the church is going, Hey, love that you're reaching out to your friends and they're gathering with you, but for them to really be a part of like the thing that counts, they need to come here and submit under our authority. You need to assimilate them. You need to plug them in. And, and of course you're looking at that going, but you don't even know them and they don't even know you. And by the way, there's, yeah. there's 1,500 people here, right? You're telling me it's for their good, right? That they sit under this, but how is it for their good if you don't even know their name? Yeah, and I think Bob's and Becky's, they love their pastors. They love the leaders in their church. They don't want to be at odds with them at all. In fact, I think the thing that's driving this is the very real practical rub of wanting to reach their friends, but they're just simply not interested in everything the church is offering. So they don't want to be at odds. They're not rebels. They're not looking to burn this mother to the ground. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and we I definitely do meet the, the rebel, right? Dreamers and doers and hey, amen, right? Like that's in their wiring. But a lot of like the Bob yeah. and Becky's, you're right, that we're meeting, they're not angry, bitter, you know what I mean? Screw this machine. You know, it's... Yeah, most of the people that come to us like that, they we're like, yeah, we get that. But here's this thing that Jesus did and invited us into. Let's be about that. Yeah. And they just want to stay angry and stay bitter and not give their lives to anything. So they usually don't stick. That's not who we're yeah. talking they, about. They miss the what you can do element to this. You know what I mean? And I yeah. think that's what Bob and Becky that we find unique about them is they're not, they're actually looking for like, like they're, they're optimistic. They're, you know, what can we do different in following Jesus, right? That aligns us with the ways of Jesus and aligns us in relationships with the friends that we care about who don't yet know Jesus. Yeah. And I think personally, this is what brings me a lot of joy um, to be a part of Table Network and to be a part of, of this growing uh, training platform and also this tribe of people who have gone down this road and have found help they found commonality other people like to feel the yeah. same and people who have worked through some of these tensions to find the freedom to go do what we actually what actually needs to be done yeah. among the people that we love and i think for us we're 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 not trying to be the bad guys but but someone's got to stand up and say you know what man actually these things that you say are so important and we desperately, desperately need these things or else it's not going to count and it's not going to be legitimate. We're actually saying, uh, yeah, not really, man. No, we don't find it in the scriptures really. And we don't find it in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those sayings where, as we've often said on this podcast and other great publications that we've put out there, there is definitely a freedom for people to go and do the things that have become church. You know, we're not an anti any of those things, but but there's also a great beauty in inviting people and in what they can do that is in the scriptures, right? Yeah. And what's cool is it's these ancient, simple practices, right? These, these ancient ways that we find that are just so needed and so relevant in our present day. And so, you know, if you're listening right now and, and Bob or Becky is who you are, right? If that's your story, and I'll just ask, you know, you this, Tony, because, you know, I want to hear from you on this. What are some of the things that we can pass on right now? Right? Like what I, we know the desires that they have. We know the roadblocks, right? That they face. We've just unpacked some of those. So for those that are going, so what can we then do? Right. 
Like, what are a few things that we could pass on right now and just say, be encouraged. There is another way. You really can walk in it. We're really here to help. Here's a few things to grab on to get started. Yeah, the first thing I would say is you actually have permission to do this. You've been commissioned to do Mm -hmm. so. Jesus commissioned all of us in Matthew um, when he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So I'm the one right, who you like ultimately need to check in (laughs) with on if you can do this or not, because I'm the one with all authority in heaven and on earth. He told us to go and to make disciples. And that is that, that priesthood of every believer that, which is just a fancy way of saying, man, we all get to play in this. It's not a question of, can you? at all. It's you, you absolutely, Mm. you absolutely can. So I think, uh, accreditation, it's, it's an unnecessary, it's an unnecessary roadblock. In fact, um, you know, we always go to acts two, you know, acts two 42 to 47. And it's like, well, this is what a church is, right? They're, they're devoting themselves to the apostles teaching and they're breaking bread together and they're gathering in homes and they have, you know, joy and gladness in their hearts and they're receiving their food and they're giving to all, um, as anyone has a need. And we point to all that and say, this is what it is. We always hinge on, um, the, uh, uh they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. Yeah. So it's like, look, here's the leaders. They're ordained, they're sanctioned, they're chosen by Jesus and their, their oral teaching of Jesus's, um, what he did and what he said is, is being passed down. And I think when we hear that, uh, people who assume the authority of the scripture and look at the authority of, of the apostles, we're like, yeah, these are the apostles. These are like, these are the OGs, man. These are like the first elders, the first right. pastors. Like they're, they're the first of a long line of ordained and sanctioned leaders that we need to submit to. And what I would tell you is the most shocking statement in Acts 2, 42 to 47 is that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Because if you see anything and know anything about the apostles, they're the guys who didn't graduate from rabbinical school. They're the guys who were not sitting under the the best known rabbinical names of their time. They literally were a ragtag group of dudes who now authoritatively were teaching on Jesus. And according to that religious society, the Jewish religious society, they had nothing Nothing. attached to their name that would give them any credibility whatsoever. So the fact that these guys are now turning, not, not, they're not going to temple. They're not going to the rabbis the sanctioned rabbis of the day, they're listening to the dudes who actually just spent time with Jesus, yep. watching him and hearing from him and they're passing yeah. it on. Yeah. It's a, it's a great point, man. And I, and I love that, that just really grabbing onto who these people were, right? Everyday dudes that followed Jesus, learned from him and then passed on to others what they found. And the same things that Jesus, right? Taught them and called them to go do. He told them to go teach others to go do the same. Well, those others are us. Mm-hmm. That's you. Yep. Bob and Becky, it's you. <laughs> it's not a question of can you do this? It's just a question of will you step into the movement of Jesus that he's given to you? One thing I wanted to say on the whole authority thing was um, we make such a big deal about like positions and authority. But dude, outside of church structures, your pastors have zero authority among your neighbors. What authority do they have at, at a bar at a cookout? Yeah. What authority do they have sitting around, you know, a fire in a driveway, drinking beers? None. Their authority is not recognized. It holds zero weight, your position and your title. No one literally cares who you are. In fact, your title is a hindrance. It's not a help. So we can already, yeah, we can already answer the building thing because the early church, 
they didn't have and they didn't have representation they didn't have political representation they didn't have religious representation yeah. they weren't going down to their local roman government complex to apply for a building or renting out yeah. you know what there's I'm no nonprofit the, the status on sunday nights yeah. you know they weren't they didn't they didn't have that and yet what we see is without religious representation political representation without power without money without position and status this church this people this group of people grew substantially yeah. over the next you know 200 plus years right up until the days of constantine without buildings without public events um without any really like just political kind of like you know or not political but public yeah just showiness and events and yeah you know, it's like everything kind of that we often think of right like when we think of church we think of buildings right we think of you know key leaders you know with accreditation right public events, you know, all these things that we've grabbed onto that we're clinging to or being told like, hey, you can't do anything different because it doesn't meet these, right, this checklist. What you're sharing, and I would agree with you that from the scriptures, that checklist doesn't exist. The early church was a movement of people. It was never a place. They didn't have public buildings. They weren't holding public services, right? They didn't have seminary trained leaders. Here's, here's the one that's going to blow everybody's mind. They didn't have a copy of the scriptures. Yes, the New Testament, it hadn't been written yet. So the whole like preaching, right, sermon series of the New Testament that we all cling to, yeah, it's not there. It literally doesn't exist. Bible studies like that, they don't exist. And so that doesn't mean that those things that are bad, right, that we run in now because we do have a copy of the scriptures. What we're getting at is the beauty and the simplicity of a movement of the church for 300 years. It goes on to see 65% of the Roman Empire say Jesus is Lord. And they do this, right, with all, all of the things that we've grabbed onto. Yeah, this thing started with a freedom um, and a creativity and a widespread engagement that freaked out the religious institution of the day. Yeah. And they were screaming, you can't do this. Who are you? Under what authority do you do this? Yeah. And yet what we've done is we've actually resorted back to the same approach and the same mindset that limits and discourages the freedom, the creativity, right? The expression of everyday people. Yeah. That was the beauty of it in its inception. Yeah. So it's almost like instead of responding the way they did in the scriptures and going, well, we're doing this under the authority of Jesus, who is the authority of all things. It is invite us into the very life of him, right? Uh, in and among our friends, we're going, oh, yeah, I was going to do something, but I can't because this guy over here didn't give me authority for it. And it's like, wait, wait, what? So I just think again, man, it just really gets back to like, like what we can do differently. And so I think we've definitely hit on, and I, I should say you've definitely hit on here, just, you know, in regards to the idea, right, of, you know, church, you know, Bob, Becky, just ask yourself, right, does it, does it matter all of us ask ourselves, does it matter how great our church forms are if people aren't looking for them? Can mm -hmm. we, right? Can Bob and Becky, can me and you, can everybody else not? Can we, can we just meet people where they are through shared meals? I mean, isn't this exactly what Jesus and the early church did? I think, we, I think you've definitely been able to shed some light on that. And another question that I would ask you in regards to some of the things that you've pointed out is do do we really need do we i mean the the later invention of seminaries is a good thing i'm for it but do we 
need that? Do we need that? When the movement of the church, the largest, fastest growing movement of the church in church history was led by everyday and unnamed people that were just dependent upon the spirit of God. Yeah. And I, I think w- when some people hear that, they're like, oh, well, they're not about, you know, learning and they don't want to, you know, like higher critical thinking and, you know, teachers right. and stuff like that. It's like, dude, no, we're not saying that. All we're all, what we're saying is like, you don't need five years and 75 grand worth, you know what I'm saying? Like we can interact with some of this stuff. There's so much beauty and so much information um, and insight that comes from from teachers. Clearly we we see the importance of of teachers, Ephesians 4. Um, It's just the terms and conditions, man, you know, that we've attached And that's the key, dude, what you just said. It's these things aren't, aren't bad. I myself went to Bible college, studied things for years, right? It's the terms and the conditions that we're attaching to it. It's where it literally, well, we're t- I guess what we're getting at ultimately is just religion at, at its core, right? Religion is all of yeah. the added, right? Things, principles, practices, all these things that we've brought and we've attached to the movement that Jesus started that, that actually takes us away from the simplicity and the beauty of, I think, what God's actually invited everyone into. And so just to be clear, you know, in regards to that point you brought up, which I love, this, I, I think this, it's just this, it's this idea of growth, right? As we were talking about earlier, this idea of change or transformation. And the thing that I just want to just encourage everybody in is God loves, right? God loves you, not not the imagined you. And he's already made you whole and holy in his son. It's why, like, as we've talked about before on here, it's why 1 Corinthians 13 says that we've been given a life of faith, hope, and love, not a life of sight and plans for here and, right, our performance to make things happen. That's not actually the life that God's given you. He's given you a life of faith, hope, and love. And I think that's why Jesus used that Hebraic teaching style, right? Where he invited people to learn by participating in the things of God, by walking in these things, by, by, by learning to love, right? And show mercy and be kind and, and, and generosity and hospitality, like all these things, right? That we've been invited into to simply love people and pass on good news. There's a, tr- there's a change, there's a growth, you know what I mean? There's like this fruit that the Lord starts to bear in us and through us as we walk in these things. And for some reason, we almost sort of set them to the side and the idea that information, right? Dissemination is God's plan. That the more you can just take in and read and listen to, it's going to equal, right? This transformation. And that's actually just, that's opposite of the actual journey that we see Jesus bringing people on. So I just want to invite all the Bobs and Beckys to grab onto the journey that Jesus brought people on and the ways in which he went about it. Because you can, you can easily learn the things of Jesus and learn how to pass them on, right? Through friendships and shared meals. Yeah. And if you're a Bob and you're a Becky, and hopefully you were encouraged. And, you know, with, I think, a heart of, of love, uh, I think you can go back to the leaders of your church and you can carry some of the talking points here and engage and have that conversation yeah. and keep pointing back to the scriptures. And you know what? And maybe you will be able to really affect some really cool culture change and open some neat doors for more and more um, Bobs and Beckys around you to be running in this. Maybe you can see some really cool, some cool change. And if your church and your church leaders want to consistently just, you know, say no to that and push back on that and and resist that, we'd love to be a tribe for you. We'd love to be a place where you can come and learn and find encouragement, find training and find a tribe 
find permission, ongoing, right? Support um, in that endeavor. We're not telling you to leave your church. We're not telling you to, to burn it down. We're not telling you to argue. We're not telling you any of that, but we are saying, Hey, we're a tribe of people that are running after this. Some doing it within conventional church structures, some doing it around a table. And so we have a wide variety of people approaching this yeah. thing in a number of different ways. And we just want to invite you yeah. into it. And also just to say to you that if you are someone that's going, but I, but I do want to leave here so that I really can have the time that I need to go invest in the people that are around me that I love who don't yet know Jesus and don't want to come to these other things, then just know that you have that freedom to do so. You really can, right? Live Amen. in the movement of Jesus. This is the thing he called you into. You re- you already are the church. And so you can naturally go be the church right where you are. And we really are committed, as Tony, as you just said, right? To come alongside of you in that. You're not alone. You can belong to a global community that's really just seeking to get back to the ways of Jesus for the good of those around us. So well said. Welcome to the table. I like yeah. that. Hit us up. You can reach out to us at thetablenetwork.com. That's the website. Easy ways to go through there and see more about just who we are as a network, but also ways for you to to contact us. We would love to chat and see where you're at and see how we can come alongside of you just as you are, right where you are. Amen. Love that. Thank you, Tony.